So hello and welcome to back to the Sisters of China podcast, The Connections. Uh, this podcast will be getting to know adoptees as people. And most of the time, we as adoptees are known as one facet of our identity, but showed, want to show how we can complete intersectional human beings. So my name is Lily. I also am taking over for Marcy today. Um, she couldn't make it. So this will be a little bit more hectic than most of ours, but we're going to work through it. So today I have with me Erin Peretz, if I said your Yeah, first. yeah, you so can answer correctly. So if you could just introduce yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So yeah, I'm Erin. I use she, her pronouns. And today I'm Zooming in from Bryn Mawr because I go to college. Um, I go to Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania, which is kind of, I'm kind of near the Philadelphia area as well in the suburbs. Nice, nice. You guys probably know who I am. My name is Lily. I use she, her pronouns. I am from just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am down here at school in Beloit, and I'm from Guangdong province. And then, Erin, do you have any fun fact about you? Oh, I should have mentioned the province that I'm from. I literally have this in my Instagram bio. Um, So I'm from Jiangxi province, specifically Fengcheng. Um, If anybody out there (laughs) is also from my home city. Um, but yeah, no, a fun fact about me. Uh, I'm a history of art major. That's something. You're a history <laughs> major? Think, no, history of art. Like oh. Art history. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, you're good. And yeah, I like, so that means that I geek out about art a lot and scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> and that means I'm applying for lots of museum internships at the moment. Um, because it's like February and like spring season is like the internship application process. Ooh. And we want to wish you good luck on those uh, internships and just a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I, that was rough. Anyways, um, so you had mentioned before that you had actually traveled back to China. I just want, before we get to that, um, just know your story just a little bit. Like, when were you adopted? Like, favorite childhood memory? Just, you know, as an icebreaker. Yeah, no, definitely. So I was adopted um, in 2004. Um, I was born in 2003. Which means that I'm currently 18 years old and three quarters. Oh, I'm still the oldest here. <laughs> Not that I'm counting <laughs> or uh-huh. anything. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, so I was adopted in 2004 when I was almost one year old. I was actually adopted. So the date that the doctors um, assigned like my birthday or like they assumed my birthday would be because obviously we don't have like or most adoptees don't actually like know like our like exact like dates of birth and like times of birth and everything. So June 18th is just like the day that the doctors were like, oh, yeah, that's probably her birthday. Um, so I was adopted June uh 16th of 2004 so I was um an orphan or yeah I guess for about for less or about a year a little bit less than but I was actually one thing that was um I don't know if this was unique for like my home city but basically every um orphan was put into foster care so I was not I was only in the orphanage for a couple of days but just for sort of like rerouting purposes um, so then I lived with a foster family for um, that time period of like my birth basically because I was left on the hospital steps like two days after I was born um, again an estimate but not I was not with my birth uh, family for long 
Um, and yeah, so I actually have like a lot of photos. My parents sent over a camera um, when like they knew that they were adopting me to my foster family. Um, so I have like photos <laughs> of me and my foster grandmother because of my foster family. Um, I was primarily taken care of by my foster grandmother, but I had like a foster aunt and I had like a foster mother. And then I had, uh, I'm sure there were like men in the family, but I was only raised um by I was only taken care of by the woman hmm. I didn't, yeah I was not in foster care but my younger sibling who was also adopted was um raised in three different foster care families but born in 2004 not adopted so. yeah yeah hold up you were born in 2000 and... 2003 yeah so 18... in June and I'm just trying to think because in the past, <laughs> like the past interviews like I've always I've only been like I've been the oldest except for two of them so that's why I'm like mm. just you know yeah yeah so um before the interview you did mention you went back to China was it like a heritage tour was it specifically to meet your foster parents or like you just run us down that um yeah so basically what happened is the orphanage got in contact with me and they were like oh my gosh we found your foster family (laughs) or like they still exist And this was around my 16th birthday. So it was very sort of like fitting, like instead of a sweet 16, like I'm like going to go to China. So we got into contact with them and it was really cool. (laughs) I mean, obviously just being able to have that sort of like um, sense of like belonging and sort of like heritage of like, or the sort of claim that like I have like a family in China. Because although I do know that like, I obviously we all have like birth families in China. It seemed, I feel like that whole like concept of the birth family can sometimes be um, sort of like abstract and like, you don't really, I mean, obviously like you look in the mirror and like you see yourself and I guess like um, you are like this sort of like, reflect this genetic uh, reflection of your like birth family but besides that I don't really at least I don't have like an image of what like my birth family would look like so it was really cool to just be like able to see to like, to, like put a face um, I mean obviously I had had these photos of my foster family but to be able to like really see them in person and have them like come alive because obviously photos are static so actually like, meeting them in person in the flesh really gave me this feeling of oh yeah like I have a family in China like I have people in China who like I know actually like really really care about me and initially my being in China was very very disconnecting um, and very upsetting for me <laughs> because it was it was yeah it was like the first time I'd been back and I had this sort of like mythological kind of view of how my experience my homecoming experience would be because I think there's this very common sort of story or like message that's like perpetuated um, of the homecoming trip it's supposed to be like so like happy and like the, the adoptee is supposed to feel so connected to like their culture and have like this immediate sense of belonging Um, And I think a lot of that is this sort of narrative that has been perpetuated by like, definitely, I think, like white parents (laughs) as well, because I'm also a transracial adoptee. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something that I definitely I'm working through. I'm like trying I'm reconciling um, with because I think I mean, obviously, it is very, it's very difficult sometimes just in being like, I have all these experiences of like having to deal with racism and having to deal with like being like a child of like the diaspora and all of that. And then also having parents who just don't understand (laughs) any of that and sometimes invalidate um, my experiences and feelings. But yeah, no, being in China 
initially, like I said, it was not, it was not my best experience because I, 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 all of a sudden I realized I was like, oh no. Um, I think one of the biggest sort of things that is not like told you, told you, but like, then you only realize like in like experience and in practice is that like, um, because I am an Asian or Chinese American adoptee, um, like being in China, like that made me just realize how much more American I am. And I, I realized that like being in like this foreign country, just really like if more than anything, it just reaffirmed my sort of Americanness and like my American upbringing and it made me feel even more American than I do in China because obviously like in America there's you don't feel like (laughs) uh, you uh, like you're made to like feel like so other and like so like Chinese and so different but then Mm -hmm. in China it's not like nice just easy sort of transition to belonging instead it's like oh yeah you're an American you're also foreign here so that was very uh, disconnecting for me in the sense that oh yeah like I don't really feel like I have a homeland it's like the identity crisis that goes back and forth like am I really like fully American or am I actually really Chinese depending on where you are I felt that a lot when I went back um, as well because I mm-hmm. went on a heritage tour actually back in China around the same time yeah of my 16th birthday and like I think it was just the idea of like walking around with the tour guide not knowing the language uh not being able to eat half the food there because first of all it was like really spicy and I have mm-hmm. a seafood out al- and I have a shellfish allergy so it's like all this stuff that they're trying to give me and introduce like introduce me to the culture I just felt so like just like I, I felt like not connected as like what you said disconnected yeah. it was yeah. very mythical when I thought went there but like looking back at it I think that like it was a nice experience I'm glad I got to experience it but at the same time it's like it just kind of made me realize just how different I am even here yeah. so like yeah I get that on the identity mishap and just yeah yeah no and like I I think I really needed time afterwards to really process that as well and luckily I had many many great um mentors um but in particular I had my IB visual arts teacher because I am a student of I or survivor of IB <laughs> um but I was able to really process my experience primarily um through art and I also did like poetry on the side um, for my lit magazine and just having that sort of like writer community as well. But I think if I didn't like I, I think if like, I hadn't had art, <laughs> I wouldn't have had such it would have been such an impactful or like I wouldn't have dealt with this this whole like experience um, in like the same sort of way. Because I feel like afterwards, I like after like my China trip, I felt like I grew up like a lot like I matured a lot because I I felt like in some way having like like I mentioned that sort of like mythological like view a perfect belonging um before but and then coming back I realized oh like I'm like I'm never really gonna have like this perfect sense of belonging while that was very difficult for me to actually come to terms with and understand that I would never actually like really feel like I had like a claim to like a home culture or like even just like a claim to like a home um that I I needed I'd like that I really needed um something or some way to sort of like have that like pour out and have that like be processed and I think that again like this concept of home is also like very sort of contentious as well Um, I've talked to a lot of my Asian American friends um, and friends who are POC as well 
And I realized that like a lot of us, just like, or like for all of us, basically, um, we all feel like, even if like they're not adoptees too, we all feel like this sense of, or like, I guess this, this like diasporic child trauma <laughs> of like not being connected to like your home culture. And then, but like being expected to like be representative of that or like being expected to have like this like very strong heritage connection to that. Because I mean, for me, just like living, yeah, just like living in America, like um, I was talking to my friend the other night and she was like, how can you not like expect um, to like be like, or like people tell you that like you should be like so Chinese, um, but how can they expect that of you when like you've lived in America surrounded by American culture and like American people like your entire life, like, and you've mm-hmm. never even been back to China until like you were like basically like on the brink of becoming a full grown adult like how can they not expect you to like be American and I was like that's that's so true and she's like it's it's like it's not your like it's not your fault that like you are this way it's just it's just like your upbringing like it's not something that you can like necessarily you should be like holding guilt for because I think for a while I held a lot of guilt um for like being like oh yeah like I am Americanized or whatever I was kind of in denial of that for a long time yeah I would I probably have to agree with a lot of that I was often I never realized it at the time but like a lot there's like a handful of stereotypes around like um me as an Asian person in like a very white school so I don't I'm just curious was your community like predominantly white or like were you pretty diverse yeah so I grew up um on Long Island um, specifically yeah yeah Long Island New York so um my hometown was very <laughs> very it was predominated or predominantly white people um there were not many Asian people like I was one of three Asian people <laughs> in my grade um so I just did not I was not like um I did not have, like that upbringing surrounded by Chinese culture um like at all so it was basically just like this like suburban white suburban culture (laughs) yeah I I was like raised and like indoctrinated with um but in in saying that I am like I have been Americanized also like for me I I think like just to clarify um that sort of point that I was trying to make um that doesn't mean that I shouldn't now like seek out like Chinese culture but my like I don't think that I should be seeking Chinese culture necessarily as a sense to like be like oh yeah like I'm I'm seeking Chinese culture because I want to feel which like isn't bad either but like for me I don't feel like I should seek out Chinese culture just to be like oh yeah like I am it as a way to like legitimize myself like as like Chinese I think I should seek it out more as a way to like feel connected but not necessarily to be like oh yeah this like because I'm doing like all these like these various things like I'm decorating my room and like my whole dorm for like Lunar New Year that means that like I'm Chinese because I'm already like I already like am like Chinese but I'm, I'm Chinese American that's why like there's like this like kind of like hyphen as well um and I that doesn't mean that like either that um I don't think that like these two like sort of dichotomies of like culture like can't coexist together I mean obviously it is a very uh dissonating sort of like experience sometimes um but I I think that the challenge now for me is to kind of have these two be more of 
or like in like my later like adulthood like life be more of like my finding like or like seeking like my Chinese culture as something that I want to do personally for myself but not to prove to anyone else I would say like I'm very similar in that sense like I'm actually a Chinese minor um so I did it mainly because I felt like I didn't feel I didn't want to owe it to anybody except for myself and I know that that's kind of not the best mindset to have but I also feel that like if because like me traveling a handful of times back and forth it's just kind of like I want a way to like at least have some way to connect to it if I can't connect to it like culturally I can at least um, connect through language and I think language is a huge like it crosses so many different barriers and you can learn a lot from other people they can learn a lot from you so I think that for that purpose I feel like learning language is like my motivation and like just to feel more connected and everything yeah no no I I feel that so much I have had several sort of like attempted forays into learning Mandarin none successful yet (laughs) but maybe later in life maybe after college maybe when it's not for a grade (laughs) because that puts that adds that extra layer um, of pressure onto it um but for me I think like one of the primary or like yeah, one of like my primary ways of like connecting with Chinese culture right now is through art. Because as I mentioned, I'm a history of art major. So, but a lot of my foundational training has been rooted specifically in Chinese art. Because I have this one professor I've been studying under for a bit. And I, lo- I love him so much. He's the best. He's so sweet <laughs> and so brilliant too. <laughs> um, I definitely feel this sense of connection and I feel this sense of kind of like oh yeah like I I am really like I'm like immersed like in this and like having like this knowledge gives me this like my own like sort of like internal like power I was at an art museum today um, with my friends and like we were like in the Chinese art section <laughs> and I was like pointing out to my friend I was like I know all about this piece of artwork <laughs> and I was explaining it (laughs) I was explaining it and it was really I think a a very nice experience (laughs) for myself just to be like yes I am an expertise in Chinese art so I think it would be really nice to um, specialize in that as well and just be like oh yeah like I I have this connection too and I, I don't think it's necessarily a way for me to like erase like my upbringing either because I think I have to like really like acknowledge that I was like raised um in this PWI like environment like my family was white too like my all like like in my extended family like my parents like everybody so I don't really know like right now like, how I'm how to like best to like sort of like deal with that <laughs> or just kind of like break that down but I don't think that me necessarily going out like in adulthood is a way to try to like replace my childhood and my upbringing either because I think that I the best way for me to really like find inner peace is just to like reconcile like reconcile with these two and like have both of them my like white like upbringing versus like my still like white informed but maybe like more independent Chinese cultural exploration exploration like later like in adulthood have them like both like coexist together and I think with the coexisting it just makes you who you are and gives you their interest and I think that's a really nice way of putting it and um, you said that you use um, art as a way to just release emotions and just express yourself and I'm just curious like are there any specific 
I don't know how to say it, but like, are there any specific themes through art? Like, I don't know, like, is it like subjects through art or like sculpting or like painting or like writing? Oh, mediums, like, do you mean? Me yes, mediums. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. <laughs> Most recently, I learned how to weld. So I know. Like with I know metal. Like, yeah, yeah. I know okay. how to MIG weld. So if anybody needs me to fix their like pipes <laughs> and they have the equipment to fix them I'm I'm your girl <laughs> but no metalworking is just a new sort of addition to my whole like artist kind of um like vocabulary I guess but my primary uh my like most used mediums at the moment right now are definitely short prose slash like borderline poetry um and also performance art so I I'm taking a performance art class um this semester I took one last semester as well under a, another like brilliant professor like <laughs> I mean I feel like all my professors are brilliant but in particular I I've taken like quite a liking um to this professor and I've done a lot of self I think my performance art like where it diverges from like my visual art and like my IB art studies. Um, Cause like I mentioned, my IB art studies um, were centered around kind of unpacking my experience of being in China and having like, again, this very disconnecting experience. Um, so it was really about like trying to figure out like what my identity is. Whereas I feel like my art in college is now more and like this stage while it does still like it is still inextricably connected to like this like figuring out what my identity is um it's more about trying to have like or trying to like rework my like relationships um because I think that's something that a lot of adoptees might struggle with this experience of being like loved and like being worthy of love and like not having or not like defining yourself sort of by like, or not framing it in this way of being like, oh, I was abandoned at birth by my birth mother. And because I used to, um, <laughs> I used to be that adoptee that was like, oh, not even my birth mother wanted me. Um, and like, I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you know how it is. <laughs> and it's, it's more about, oh, yeah, like how can I really learn to like, be comfortable with myself and like be comfortable with the fact that I am like a Chinese American adoptee and like it's not necessarily about like coming to term or it's not about necessarily about um being open about being an adoptee because I think that's something I struggled with a lot like throughout like my childhood um now in college being an adoptee is just it's part of my identity um, like anything else like I have it in like my insta bio <laughs> and it's like one of the first things that I tell people when I'm meeting them because I don't want it to be something that's like so like I don't know just like oh like you're adopted like this sort of like mysterious sort of like facet like you just like find out like later on about me like I want if you're gonna know me like you're gonna know that I'm an adoptee as well and that's what my high school art allowed me to do to just be like more open about that in college my artwork like I said um is just more about it, it primarily focuses around like love and not necessarily romantic relationships um but maybe like more love in like the familial sense or just loving myself as well because 
I mean, I, that's not something that's necessarily unique to adoptees either, like struggling with like loving yourself, but mm-hmm. it is definitely a problem that gets like compounded or like worsened by being an adoptee. Yeah, I definitely feel that like disconnect with like not being able to really like love yourself as you are. Like I always felt like I needed to change and try to like set up with like or um, keep up to date with like all like the popular people in my school, which were white. So like I didn't really have that space for me to like really fully like embrace my Asian identity. Like I always felt so weird like wearing like a cheap polo just also because yeah. like I'm much like let's just say that my size does not fit like as comfortably as maybe some others do mm, yeah. and like with um different heights and stuff it's just yeah. like you know like even when I went back it was the different characteristics there like yeah. I was way up here um, it, was no. like, <laughs> it was just really tricky for me to like come to terms with the fact that I just need to see myself as I am and love myself how I am I don't need to change I don't need to just, I don't need to slouch I don't need to yeah it's like yeah yeah no, I, I feel that so much. Like, like really, I, and like, it's crazy. It's crazy because I'm also a first year in college too as well. Um, but just the confidence <laughs> that I've had, like, or this confidence boost I had so far, like in my experience of like being a college student is like, it's crazy. And like a lot of it, I think is because I like just finally started being able to like see myself for myself which like sounds very like cheesy and like very like generic or whatever but like it's it's really crazy to me how like I (laughs) was not and like I still struggle with this sometimes I still like oscillate um between like this like very harsh inner critic that I also call like my inner critic my inner white person (laughs) sometimes (laughs) so yeah I have to like deal with like that and like then also being my like true self that's independent of like my inner white person and it, it's a battle sometimes I will not yeah. lie but I mean lately uh it's been a battle that like my true self has kind of been winning and I've just been able to really like see myself for myself and like for me that means that like really like being able to internalize like the love that like I'm given um and being able to like internalize people's like not that I necessarily need like people's compliments to like constitute like my whole like self-confidence or whatever mm-hmm. but I I'm, I'm able to like take in like people's compliments and not just like deflect them and be like no or whatever yeah. that's not true um <laughs> and that for me also means that I'm really able to like take care of myself and like love myself like kind of unconditionally through all like these like sort of like rough patches of like yeah, even when too. people yeah yeah no and like it's it's so nice honestly because I've just been like taking care of myself like how like I would like take care of like a friend or like a partner and like it's been so nice like right now I have like <laughs> the the listeners can't see this so I have like this coffee it's actually a raspberry latte that I bought for myself today because I was like I'm gonna treat myself because I deserve it <laughs> yes okay and it's yeah. been so nice I like that you say that like see yourself for yourself because I feel like with today's society and like with everything that's going on like we have to like we always see everything in like the white standard here and I think that once you really start to find yourself you really start to break those barriers and like you get to show yourself and like like just yeah I don't know it's like uh it's it's a weird feeling it's kind of like you're finally like 
I would say coming out of the womb, but that's a horrible ref- like, recommendation. <laughs> it's like you're finally showing your true sparkle to everybody, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, damn, I'll be confident today, and like no one's gonna give a. Sh- I'm not gonna give a shit about anybody. Like, mm-mm. exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we love to see it. No, because honestly, you need to hype yourself up because no one else is gonna do that for you. Like, oh, for it's sure. Like, yeah. Like, look in the mirror and be like, I exactly. look damn good. My booty be popping, and be oh. like. As you yes. did. <laughs> makeup's on yeah it's like you yeah, just need no. that you just need literally that literally i i have a playlist titled like music that reminds me that i'm the main character because i am and the yes. i am part is all capital <laughs> because honestly i'm just like i am the main if this is a movie like because <laughs> i feel something that doesn't feel like my life do be a movie i'm like <laughs> if it was like i would definitely be the main character <laughs> And like I'm like I got the I have the main character wardrobe to match like I I have like the main character qualities I I have things going for me like in life <laughs> so, yeah like you have no time for fake people and like exactly drama. exactly yeah. or people who like aren't going to be considerate of my feelings like I I deserve so much more than that like I yes. I feel like a lot of my like friendships and like relationships um in the past have definitely been like oh yeah like I'm just gonna like accept this lesser or like this very like rude treatment from my friends because like I didn't believe that I was like I could like go out and make other friends and maybe also like that's what college has been good for having like that sort mm-hmm. of like reset in people who are around you because on um, the district that I grew up in it was just like basically the same people that you went to kindergarten with you were still in high school with mm-hmm. so that doesn't really and they get old over time it's like oh yeah <laughs> I know and you're <laughs> literally and like being I go to um a historically women's college Renmar is a historically women's college and to any mm-hmm. listeners who are applying to college I highly highly encourage them to apply here because our campus is so gorgeous and also the people uh for the most part um I I definitely I vibe a lot more <laughs> with the people here than I did back in my hometown like you will be appreciated if you are like a nerd and you're really into academia <laughs> and your studies like you're not just like doing it necessarily for the grade just like learning for the sake of learning which I know everyone says they do but like here it's just like yeah like it's, it's just a why accept the fact that like oh yeah like people like actually read books for fun <laughs> not for school <laughs> <laughs> and like you can have like really intellectual conversations um so yeah no college overall has just and maybe this is also just like growing up as well um but I've seen so much change in myself and I think like my like friends like back home and like definitely like like my parents and like my mom they they have all like really seen that they'd be like damn you seem like you're glowing right now <laughs> and I'm like I am I'm radiant I'm like <laughs> I'm like do I do I just love the sun or does the sun <laughs> just like shine down upon or me, sun love you. Love me yes. as well. <laughs> no literally it was sunny the other day and I was like I'm gonna do a photo shoot in the sun and like the wind and like have okay, the golden like, hours are like it exactly exactly and like it's just all been sort of like part of this process of just being like oh yeah like I am a very cool person like I am I am like I I do like the way that I look because obviously appearance I think is something that again that's not something that's necessarily unique to Chinese adoptees um I do think that's like a wider sort of issue that I feel like everyone like struggles with especially in adolescence Mm -hmm. um but definitely living in like an ocular centric society and like social media and all that really compounds upon those issues. But I've just been like, 
it, it's been crazy because also when I, I say like see myself for myself um it's definitely been like crazy that like I was never able to like actually like like even like physically I wasn't able to like really like looking in a mirror was very difficult for me well first of all because like I sometimes I would have like these experiences where I would just like glance like I'd like be walking by like something like a reflective like surface or whatever like maybe it was like I don't know like you know how like when it's like when it's nighttime and like sometimes the light like the street lights reflect on like dark clothes um shop store or like the glass of it and you just like see a reflection like sometimes I would just be like walking by like something like that and then I would catch a glance of myself in that reflective surface and I would just register the reflection of myself just as like an Asian person not myself and I'd be like oh it's just like an Asian person (laughs) which like sounds really bad but again um this idea this concept of the inner white person as well just like not really being able to like see yourself for yourself um, so that would be really crazy sometimes because obviously I think a lot of adoptees um, have gone through this like experience of like or maybe not all adoptees but I did go through a phase in my life where I was like I want to be white because that's like what all like what you're talking about, like the popular cool kids are mm-hmm. especially in my PWI <laughs> um, school um, but you yeah, know so it was just like I didn't even like recognize like my physical appearance for a while um if that makes sense and then also I like I did struggle um a lot there were very various factors um that I won't go into because I some of them may be like triggering topics um for our listeners um but I I, I struggled a lot like <laughs> primarily um from like middle school to like freshman year of high school um and it was not, <laughs> it was not a fun experience. And I just, I thought that I was like, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm like the ugliest person ever. Like, I want to be invisible. I wish no one could see me. And I would literally like, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. To admit, but like, I would like see people from school, like walking outside in the street and I'd be like on the second floor of my house. And I'd be like, maybe I'd like, glance out of like my bedroom and I'd be like, oh my God, they can't see me. And I would duck down. <laughs> yeah. So definitely I feel like I, I was, um struggling with some with just like maybe like some form of like social anxiety um when I was going through that time period um but now I'm like I want to be like (laughs) and maybe this is a react in reaction to that I'm like I want to be like as like hyper visible like (laughs) as possible because I'm like people should see me like like, I I do like want to be perceived by like other people because like I think I think that I'm a really cool person and that it's I like I'm like I I feel like like honestly now like I have the confidence where I'm just like I can carry a conversation with anyone oh yeah like (laughs) Like, honestly like girl go off yeah no and I'm like if I want to become friends with someone like literally (laughs) I have like dm people and been like hey I think you're cool (laughs) I think you would buy let's get a meal sometimes (laughs) like honestly and like not all of them have like worked out um but a lot of them have and I've I've formed some of like my closest like friendships here at college now like that way um and it's been so great it's been so great like really having this like confidence because I'm like whoa this is such a new experience for me as well but at the same time it's just like having this confidence as well just almost sort of like 
kind of feels like a return to like myself it feels like a return to something like familiar as well because I I know even when I was going through this very like rough period of my life um I was like on some level I do feel like I was like conscious of the person I was just like because I had um all of this like inner turmoil like this inner white person telling me like constantly that I was like insignificant I was ugly and that I wasn't worthy of other people's like like bare minimum like consideration or like bare minimum like friendship or companionship I was like I was just not able to really like go out there and like go for like the experiences that I really want and now I'm like I'm applying for internships like I am making so many friends like I'm meeting so many new people and I am just vibing overall and it, it does get better so for like listeners who are younger like younger adoptees I just want to let you know that it does get better with age and also a lot of it is like I I, I feel like denying that you're an adoptee or denying that um you have had this like whole like past experiences and it's not conducive for ha- being able to like find like your inner peace like later on in life. I think the most healthy way to reconcile with it is just to just be very open about it so that it just becomes like simply like another like fact of your life, if that makes sense. Because I, I think I struggled with it a lot. And like, oh, yeah, I don't want an adoptee to define my entire like life and like my entire being. But exactly I mean, to, yeah, yeah. But to some extent, like, it does. It does define your life. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to let it like have like this sense of like control factor over you. I, I feel like it can just you can just be like, oh, yeah, it's just another another little quirky thing <laughs> about me. <laughs> another thing that makes me not like the other girl. <laughs> no, not that last part. Yeah. But yeah. Well, that was really good. And I do actually think we have to start wrapping up now. Um, Definitely. So if you just want to mention one more time your socials, you can like Instagram or do people use Twitter now? I don't know. Just, you know, if people want to reach out to you and like just see like if you need an extra confidence boost or like just yeah, or if yeah, you have art, even if you have an art Instagram, like I feel like it'd be really nice to, um, for us to see if you have that if you're okay with it no unfortunately I don't have like an art Instagram or Twitter I am on social media though um my account is private just for personal um reasons um but if anyone wants to follow me and they're an adoptee too request and I'll I'll accept it so that's at erin.may and that's spelled e-r-y-n like period m-e-i um on Instagram and I have a website um of my art yeah nice well i'm glad for everyone who listened in and who has been listening in um yeah we're still chugging along on this choo-choo train but i think it's working out we're getting to know so many amazing people with their amazing stories and yeah yeah oh and just to mention one last thing as well i also work um for the podcast dear asian girl as well um currently i'm a researcher and interim season five host so if anybody would like to hear more of me or my amazing team or just like you want another recommendation for a podcast i highly recommend my podcast duration girl and we're available on anchor and spotify as well oh cool and is that an instagram as well yes yes at duration girl yeah so go follow the follow aaron's page and just see what happens there Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in and hope to have you guys here next time. All right. Bye. Yeah, bye.